1: Good and welcome to The Call, 10 stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour, it is Monday the 4th of March, I'm Andrew Gagan, good to have you with us here at AusBiz, our two experts on the show today, David Lane from Ordmanet and Kai Chen from MPC Markets, welcome to both of you guys and uh, well, we're taking a look at what's going on in the market at the moment, those records keep tumbling. Don't they, uh, David, what, what are your thoughts as to where we're at? I mean, we see it here locally. We've seen it in the States, of course, so Japan to the Nikkei at a record yeah. high. Um, what are you looking, how are you seeing those valuations at the moment? Does it sort of make you a little nervous?
2: Yeah, yes, it, it does. I think <laughs> that we are looking at fairly stretched valuations uh, you know, right across the world, as, as you said, particularly in the US, uh, they are getting very, very stretched. Australia, we came through the reporting season okay. Uh, but yeah, when we when we look at the overall valuations, we didn't really see too many upgrades as far as earnings are concerned. So the Australian market's sitting on an average P of about sixteen times. So at the top line you think it's it's overvalued. Um, but there is actually some quite good value at that smaller end and, and smaller mid caps look interesting and perhaps some of the ones we'll talk about today might uh, might um, be some of those opportunities.
1: Indeed. Kai, how, how are you viewing what we're seeing at the moment given those records are falling at the moment?
0: There is a high degree of FOMO out there, isn't there? That's right. You know, we can see that the markets keep pushing high in the, both the US and here, um, you know, especially in the banking, IT and retail sector. You know, we've seen some strong perform uh, reports from the retail sector. Um, but yeah, as well as, you know, the AI thematic continuing in the US, um, you know, with the Uh, spectacular report of NVIDIA a couple weeks ago um, and the markets just keep continuing we had some weak um, figures from the U.S. on Friday uh, and that's you know bringing rate cut expectations forward so I think the you know it's the market keeps going up for bad reasons but it just keeps going up. How do you look at the Australian (laughs) market because we look at sort of over the past year for instance it did underperform many of its global peers Mm. How,
1: how do you view the valuation of the Australian market at the moment?
0: Yeah, you know, it's um if you compare it to the U.S., I mean, the the sector composition is just very different. Mm. In the U.S., about thirty percent is based in tech, and in Australia, obviously, it's a lot more heavily weighted towards materials. Um, I think, yeah, it's definitely underperformed the U.S., but you know, we're seeing the ASX break above seven thousand seven hundred, um, so it's coming back strong. All right, so uh, strap yourself in
1: there. Uh, see where the market goes from here. Now let's um take a look at the first five stocks we're going to take a look at today. Uh, there we can see it is uh, Lendlease, Aussie Broadband, Superloop, um, Adelaide, Adelaide Brighton and Domino's. Out stock of the day in the news today, Downer EDI, provider of integrated services for design, building, uh, particularly in the infrastructure and facility space. The company filing a defense against class action proceedings brought against it for allegedly making misrepresentations and withholding certain information about a maintenance contract in its domestic utilities business in July 2019. So a class action lawsuit was filed on behalf of shareholders who bought Downers shares between July 2019 and February 2023, after the company admitted to overstating its pre-tax earnings due to accounting irregularities. Additionally, Downer said it's pleaded a defensive third party statement of claim and proportionate liability defense against its auditor, KPMG. The commencement of that proceedings have led KPMG to resign as the auditor of Downer. There's a lot happening in that space with uh, counterclaims at the moment. And um, over the course of course, with, with the, of that period, we have seen the uh, the Downer um, share price has uh has suffered, but um, just in the past sort of six months, it, uh, it's regained some momentum there. So just interesting to see how our experts view the stock. Also off the back of uh, earnings season, of course, December half uh, did outpace consensus there. And uh, a lot of that also to do with extra cost savings and gearing, we saw that seem to be the thematic across the board actually with earnings season. Uh, but as uh, as mentioned there, it is trying to restore confidence in the company after that. That torrid year, which has essentially continued to play out in the courts. Kai, what's your view on
0: Downer? Yeah, you know, so obviously going off the back of that class action, um, its pre-taxing uh, pre-tax income has been understated. Um, And they're getting rid of KPMG as their auditor. Um, So it'll be interesting to see who they bring as a new auditor. Um, But, you know, with earnings seasons, they're actually reported uh, fairly strong in terms of their net profit. So their margins are actually increasing. So that's why um, after the reportings, they've had a decent jump in their share price. Um, So I think, you know, given given that uh, taking out the class action, um, I think it's actually reported quite well. All right, so what would you do with the stock? I I would probably hold on to downers. Um, yeah, I would probably hold on to the stock.
1: Okay, but um, particularly given that jump we've seen, uh, certainly since uh, since it reported, mm-hmm. uh, which has been significant. How do you view where it's seeing at the moment in terms of the valuation? It's
0: yeah. up
1: 16% over the past month.
0: Yeah, that's right. You know, I think in terms of valuation, it might be towards the higher end. Right. Um, but I think you know that it's still got um, you know some restructuring going for it. They're doing some good things in terms of operational efficiencies. Um, so yeah, if I, I wouldn't put put it as a buy, as you said, with in terms of valuation. But if you've got it in your portfolio, I'd hold it. All right. Okay. David, thoughts. Yeah, fairly similar
2: views to Kai. Uh, it's a business that's in a, a turnaround phase and uh, I think the result that we saw was part of that that turnaround and I think that will continue over the next few years. So yeah, as Kai said, they're probably fairly fully valued at current levels. So they're trading on a PE of about 21 times, but consensus forecasts are that earnings will rise by about 40% in the next four months and by another Thirteen percent in uh, financial year twenty-five. So the expectations are that in the future PE will will decline as earnings rise. So, and that's partly due to the the company having new management cleaning it up, that cost out program. So, I think there is positivity in the in the share price, but probably where they're at at the moment, I'd be holding as well. I think that short term a little bit fully valued, but medium and longer term assuming that the company is able to deliver on that turnaround story uh, it it should actually generate some longer-term returns
1: and David given the issues it's had or still having really as we know uh, certainly uh, as we see what's going on in the courts at the moment what does that do to to a stock clearly um, reputational damage but more broadly just as far as how investors will view you know the the uh, management of the company that something like this sort of happened essentially
2: yes yeah it's certainly not not good and uh you know that they have had a management clean out as a result of, of these issues um you know that one of the problems with investing in companies like downer and the next company that we'll look at uh lease as well is with the, the large contracts it's very uh, difficult to, to account for them, and uh, quite often they, they do have fairly large write-downs uh, if those contracts haven't been negotiated properly. So it, it is a risk factor, and it will be a risk factor going forward, but I think what we've seen in the last couple of years is Downer have made the right moves and they, they are doing the right things to um, you know, put put the past behind them and have a cleaner outlook going forward.
1: All right, so that is our stock of the day: Downer EDI, a hold from both. Let's get into the stocks as picked by you. The first one, as uh, David mentioned, there, Len Lee, going to take a look at that. Uh, Sedana, wanting to view on that. Um, it is, of course, in international property infrastructure operations here, Asia, Europe, also in North America as well. Uh, does uh, look at development, construction, and investments at the same time. First half results there um, did essentially uh, highlight the the tougher real estate market that it operates in, also slower activity as well. Uh, Management lowering the FY24 return on equity guidance uh, to 7%, gearing also up significantly. David, what's your view on Lease?
2: yeah again it's it's another uh turnaround business so it's uh lend lease has had a lot of problems in in the past and definitely there'll be a lot of shareholders who've been holding lend lease for a long period of time and and getting very impatient uh with you know with the business and with management and certainly that was the case with the the result we saw the share price drop significantly with that result tend to think though that that re- Reaction was a little bit of an overreaction. That uh, you know, many of the issues that were part of the result were, were probably previously um, you know, highlighted to the market. So, and we think it was probably an overreaction. We've actually got a buy recommendation on on lend lease. Uh, the future does look better for them. They're expecting to get around two and a half billion dollars in cash flow over the next 18 months. That's partly from their sale of the Lend Lease Communities business and also settling the uh, the Barangaroo um, South residential towers uh, just near yourselves um, down in Sydney. So they're getting a fair bit of cash flow coming through and starting to de-risk the business over the, the medium to longer term. So we do think at current levels, they're around a 14-year low, um, they're probably good value. but. There Are still risks, and you do need to be patient uh, because it's not necessarily a, a story that's going to turn around quickly. It will be a two to three year time frame before it um, you know, it returns to its former glory.
1: Yeah, talk about the former glory. You don't have to look at that share price, don't you, David, to see the value uh, that, uh, that shareholders have lost over that time. That's
2: a pretty ugly looking chart. Yeah, it certainly has been. Yeah, it's been a frustrating stock over the years. All right, but. You're positive,
1: so you got to buy on it.
2: Yes, we do. Yeah, we think that uh, you know it does have the elements to turn it around. Um, there is an update in May, uh, so there's probably no short-term catalyst to be jumping in and buying them. Um, probably wait for that that update in May. Uh, but as I said, it's a it's a longer-term story, and you need to have patience and a risk appetite. Patience,
1: okay, and risk also, Kai.
0: Yes, I agree. I think um, in terms of the longer term prospect, it is fairly undervalued now. But for us, we're not really looking to get into Lend-Lease at the moment. I think the construction industry over the last year and a half has just been, you know, it's been a tough industry to be in with all the costs increasing. So they've got, Lend-Lease has got a pretty complex operation um, globally. Um, So, you know, they've got a lot of projects in the U.S. as well. Um, They've got three business segments where, you know, they're in development, they're in construction as well as they have a REIT fund. Um, So, to break down the business segments, you know, they've done really well in the development, but the construction segment has, you know, their, their profits have decreased by about 25%. Um, so, you know, they've in some segments have actually performed very poorly. And I think that's what the analyst and the market is looking at. Um, and after the release of earnings, share prices fell about 14%. Um, so yeah, I think it, you know, there, there's talks that, you know, people's floating with like, oh, okay, why, why don't they demerge and just separate out the good performing segments against the bad performing segments. So that's an option. Um, But also in terms of tax liabilities, there's something else on the board for Lend Lease where they were involved in a retirement village transaction in 2018. Um, and basically there's a potential liability to the ATO for about $260 million, potentially up to $400 million. So that's also on the board as well for them. Um, so for us, there's there's a bit going on for Lend Lease at the moment. We we don't really want to touch Lend Lease at the moment. All right, but what
1: you might take a look at it, if it did actually go down that path of restructuring then yes, then, and maybe hiving off, as you say, some of those underperforming businesses. All right, so That's right. would you call it a hold or you just simply wouldn't
0: touch it at this point? For, for us, we're, we're staying clear of the yeah. lease. Um, but, you know, I think in the medium term, if they, they restructure it and, um, yeah, I think that would be a stock to consider. Okay. All right.
1: Moving on now to Aussie Broadband. Uh, it is the National Carrier, Telco Services, of course, with a focus on the NBN. And uh, first half result there, I think regarded pretty much consensus-wise as a slight miss. Did upgrade its FY24 earnings EBITDA guidance, though. Um, but you've got to factor in the uh, attempted takeover of Symbio. In fact, that we're going to get to that stock after this and what that would add to um, the company as a whole, given uh, it's looking to be a major player, particularly in the Aussie telco market. Kai,
0: yeah. So you know that's a it's a stock that we really like. Um, I think in the overall trend of the market, there's been the big telcos have actually been losing a lot of customers. The Telstra, TBG, Optus, they've actually lost about 320,000 customers last year, and the the switch is to more cheaper and uh, well serviced smaller telcos such as Vocus and Aussie Broadband. Um, you know the complaint that most people uh, that I've read that you know are having is that the service just hasn't been really up to up to standards for the larger telcos um and that's what aussie broadband really focus on you know they have a localized support team um, and just just focus on the customer experience um i think in terms of the acquisition they they've made some really good acquisitions lately so with symbio last year they acquired that um, and the the ceo went over to symbio um to to build out that segment of the business Um, and also they put a um a conditional offer into uh, for Superloop at 95 cents um, so, they've already got 19.9% shares, uh, but that uh, that deal was rejected by the board for Superloop. And in fact, uh, sorry, I
1: said uh, Symbio, I actually meant Superloop. He's going to be the one we're going to look after this. So, um, we'll get to that in just a moment. So, Kai, sorry, you're, you're, uh, what's your
2: call on the stock though?
0: Yeah, I, I'm a buy on Aussie Okay,
2: all right. Yeah. David? Yeah, we like it as well. And I think, you know, all of the, the comments that Kai made were, were very relevant. Um, as he said, the the takeover of Symbio was a good one. Uh, in the result, they're actually pointing towards about a $5 million synergy that they're getting from that acquisition. So it shows that management have been smart as, as far as that acquisition and, and some of the others that they've made over the years um, in Building building out their platform and uh, growing their business, as well as the consumer uh, segment of the the business, they're also doing quite well in the the business section as well. So that came from the over the wire uh, business that they bought a few years ago. So overall, we're seeing a you know a company that, that is growing fairly strongly. As you said, the result was a slight miss, but the longer term expectations are pretty positive and, and looking for growth in in 2025 uh, with some margin expansion there so we like it as well we've got an accumulate recommendation uh, share prices has performed well over the last 12 months so uh, yeah not a not an out and out buy but we've got yeah that accumulate recommendation with a, a target price of 488 on it at the moment
1: yeah I'm wondering how that figures if it goes into our Want to be considered by investment committees? Accumulate rather than out and out buy, as you say. It's uh, borderline, isn't it? Because I think it actually it's already in the portfolio. So let's take a look at that when we get to that Could midway be. through the show. Um, David, how, how do you think Aussie Broadband? Obviously, bearing in mind it's got Symbio looking to take over uh, Superloop. How's that place it uh, in terms of growth, stacking up against the likes of of you know Optus and, and Telstra, particularly the bigger players?
2: Yeah, it, it's still a small player compared to those major ones. Uh, I think at the moment they, they might have about a 4% market share as far as the, the broadband market. Um, but what we are seeing, as Kai said, the, the smaller players are able to get significant uplift in their, in their market share, whereas the, the bigger players are, are fairly steady. And Telstra's result, we saw, saw in that that it's not growing that strongly. Um, they're only looking at about 4% growth over the next 12 months. So Aussie broadband being one of the disruptors in the smaller players, has the ability to, to steal market share off the, the bigger ones.
1: Yep. All right. OK, well, let's then go to Superloop, which is its target. Of course, it's, uh, it regards itself as a challenger in that telco and internet services provider market uh, with uh, essentially operating in three segments, consumer, business, also wholesale. Okay, David, what's your view then on Superloop?
2: Yeah, obviously, uh, Aussie Broadband think it's a it's a good buy. Uh, they're trying to to take it over, as Kai said, they've got nineteen point nine percent at the moment. They're offering shares to buy the uh, buy the Superloop business, so 021 of a of an Aussie Broadband share to buy Superloop, based on current share prices, it values at about ninety five cents, uh, as you can. see see their super loops trading at a, a dollar and four so the market doesn't think it's going to go ahead at the current price um the board of super loop have rejected the offer and said that it's um it you know it doesn't fundamentally value Superloop as high as it should be uh so it's possible that we have to see a, an increased offer from aussie broadband for them to be successful so uh i think if you're a, a holder of super loop i'd certainly be holding it at the moment and, and the, the board recommendation is to take no action, um, so I'd be holding in there, waiting for hopefully a, a higher offer to come through. And it's possible too that we could see some other players that that get into that uh, bidding war. And quite often, if you've got shares in a, a stock that's being taken over, you can end up with uh, quite a high premium based on the, the bidding war that that could happen. Um, so it's it's a more speculative way to play it i'd probably prefer to be an aussie broadband um but if you are an existing holder of Superloop, i'd be holding them
1: who would the other likely suitors be then david
2: well it's it's possible that we could see you know one of the the larger telco players um but then we've also seen in in this space a number of the the private equity businesses um Mm. and even some of the large super funds are starting to participate and sort of seeing telecommunications as an infrastructure style business um, you know, we've also seen the likes of AGL and origin start to play in the in the space as well so there's a number of potential suitors um, but he, you, you're never going to um, pick it right by trying to anticipate who who the takeover target or the, the suitors are going to be but generally um, you don't sell into the first offer
1: yep. Uh, Fair enough too, Kai.
0: Yes, so uh, I think with Superloop, um, I agree with uh, what David said. I think, um, you know, in order to play um, potentially other rival bids for it, uh, it might be worthwhile holding on to Superloop. Um, in terms of their financial performance, um, they're not as solid as Aussie broadband. You know, they're still, they're still not net profitable, but they're actually growing their customer base quite a lot. So, in terms of the lower price um, NBN providers, they're quite aggressive with their pricing. Um, so, you know, that's why we've seen a revenue increase of about 30% last year. So, they are trying to capture market share. But um I think that's why the I think that's why Aussie broadband's potentially looking at them going, well, there's there could be a lot of synergies where, you know, they're they're acquiring a lot more base and Aussie broadband can come in from an efficiency standpoint and um, really capture that additional customer base.
1: Okay, but um once again, agreeing with David there that uh, you could probably expect another bid to come worthwhile then if you're in it to hold on to it.
0: Yeah, I mean that's it's a little bit speculative. It, yeah. uh, you know, um, it's hard to really say, but um, it is trading at a premium compared to what the bid for um, Aussie Broadband was, uh, and you know maybe potentially they might revise their bid higher. Um, yeah, so I, I would hold this stock. It's not a buy because it's not something that's actionable until that bid is placed on the table. So, um, yeah, if you've got it, I, I would hold it. Okay. All right.
1: Let's now move on to Adelaide Brighton. Uh, once again, we're soaking sort of into the, uh, the M&A space here. It does manufacture and distribute cement, uh, line, premix concrete. It's obviously in the construction sector there with aggregates and masonry as well. Now, uh, it has uh, entered into a binding agreement with CRH, uh, the Irish private equity firm, I think there. Um, it also posted an inline result, uh, but clearly the focus is that
0: prospective uh, takeover kai yes so um, this is a this is a pretty decent takeover offer um, you know barrow's group uh, already owns about 47% of the shares and um, CRH is coming in to, to to buy up the remaining so the the share price that was offered to them was at about a 41 premium value at about a nine times ebitda so it's a good offer to to um uh, adbury um, i think yeah, I think, well, they've, the board has accepted the offer now, so um, it's really just doing due diligence and just confirming all the, the takeover. takeover. Um, yeah, so I think I think the shareholders are definitely getting good value for Adelaide Brighton. Okay, so you just hold it then? Yep. Yep. Okay, David? Yeah, similar sort of
2: view that, uh, you know, it's different to the Superloop takeover in that this this one is a scheme of arrangement both boards have, have agreed to the terms and assuming it gets through the foreign investment review board and some of the other regulatory uh, hurdles um, the shareholders you know, should get the $3.20 um, per share which is slightly above where they're trading they're currently trading at 313 and a half or 314 um, so a slight slight premium on where they're currently trading. The shareholders are still yet to vote on that and uh, should get the the details of that meeting in around May or June. So a little bit of time to hold on, but yeah, I'd be a a holder of the shares uh, waiting for that that takeover to, to occur.
1: Yep, okay, a double hold then given the uh, M&A action that's underway in regards to Adbry All right, let's now move on to Domino's Pizza. It is uh, one of the favorites among our viewers there given there's uh, a lot of movement in the share price too. It um, does of course have franchise rights in regards to uh, its uh, Domino's Pizza brand there in Australia, New Zealand, also in Europe with a presence. And in Asia as well, uh, fourth quarter earnings there did show that uh, franchisee EBITDA was improving. Um, but that bad news, in fact, was disclosed last month when January saw that precipitous drop in the share price. we it cautioned about a decline in sales, particularly in Asia. So, David, interested to get your thoughts then on Domino's.
2: Yeah, I think at, at current levels, it's it's reasonable value. Um, we've got an accumulate recommendation on it. Uh, obviously, as you said, it's a it's a favourite favorite of the market, um, although it has lost a bit of its shine that it had a few years ago. Uh, it used to be called a, uh, a technology business. Nowadays, it's called more of a pizza business. Um, but, you know, if you believe the, that longer-term story, um, the technology will still be a, a major part of it. of of the the overall business we are starting to see some steps on the the road to redemption and um at current levels given that that share price fall that we saw in in january i think that it's reasonable value Uh, we've got a an accumulate recommendation uh and think that it will go up from from here
1: yep all right um yeah interesting did call itself a tech business you're right essentially pushing out widgets they just have any pizzas <laughs>
0: yeah. Kai, your thoughts yeah you know go on uh, you know as you were saying Andrew it's, it was the market darling a couple of years ago and you saw you know the share prices triple um, but I think yeah, they're really coming into trouble with the expansion both in Europe and in Asia. So, you know, they've exited the Danish market and also it's performed uh, underperforming in France. Um, and of course, in Asia, you know, they, they've had some small wins, but, you know, really, it's not really taking off in Japan and some of the other countries. So, you know, as a lot of people, I think, thought that it'd be a bit cookie cutter expansion where, you know, you, you, you apply the same rules that. Is doing very well for dominoes in Australia and New Zealand and applying it overseas. But that just seems it's not the case. Maybe it's cultural, maybe it's just different, different um, applying that expansion overseas. Um, so I think that's uh, reflected in the share price and the earnings that came out um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and that's you know why we're seeing such a great fall in the that share price. Um, but I think at current valuations, you know, it's it's still trading at about a 60p. So it's not it's not really cheap, but compared to Um, you know two three years ago it is a you know it's definitely cheaper than then Um, so I think you know like you could start accumulating here um, but I'd be I'd be wary of uh, just to see how their their continual operational efficiencies increase in Europe and Asia okay
1: so double accumulate yeah I need to check whether that actually um, counts as one to consider for the investment committee. Essentially, it is a buy. You're sort of at least nibbling at it with an accumulate. All right, so that's Domino's. So let's uh, sum up where we've been with the first half of the show. We began with our stock of the day. That's a downer EDI, given uh, the travails are continuing there in regards to its uh, accounting issues that it had earlier with uh, claim and counterclaim this time. Involving its former auditor, KPMG. Um, just as far as what our experts had to say about the stock, a double hole essentially, um, pointing out that it is in its turn turnaround phase at this point, but it is pretty much fully valued. As to the stocks picked by you, uh, the first one there being Lendlease and uh, david once again turning this uh, talking about this as being a turnaround business uh given the the value that it's lost certainly over the past five years or so so he's got a buy on it uh whereas for kai not interested essentially although it does say that it's pretty much undervalued at this point but uh he points the fact that does need to be in major restructure before they would consider it Aussie Broadband in the telco. A couple of telcos uh, related here to consider at this point. A buy from Kai uh, talking about the good synergies after uh, Symbio acquisition. It is trying to pick up Superloop at the same time. David's got an accumulate on the stock. So in terms of Superloop, which was our following stock, and um, both having a hold on it um, with the view that perhaps we're going to get a better bid for uh, Superloop. Not necessarily mozzie broadband as uh, david pointed out there might be another suitor out there uh Adbride, uh, once again uh in the uh the MA space there with the uh, crh looking to pick it up uh, and as a result both our experts having a hold on the stock and finally there domino's pizza uh, it is an accumulate from both all right, now just a reminder, our annual subscriber survey is open until March the 13th, and uh, it's a chance for you to uh, tell us what you'd like to hear from us in terms of informing your investment decisions. And uh, you can benefit from actually taking part because there is a managed investment portfolio being offered from MPC Markets worth $5,000. Other prizes as well, you can go to ausbiz.co slash survey24. All right, so let's take a look at, in fact, we didn't get to our update on the portfolio. So tune again tomorrow, we'll get get the very latest there, particularly given where we've seen the market go. So I'd be interested to see where we're at. uh, And also, of course, what our investment committee is considering in this month. All right, the next five stocks we're gonna take a look at, Telix Pharmaceuticals, Sayona Mining, Data3, Webjet, and Hazer. So let's start with, uh, TLX Pharmaceuticals in the biotech space, it is a biopharmaceutical focused on development and commercialization of diagnostic and therapeutic, uh, what it calls radiopharmaceuticals, Um, it's uh, developing a portfolio of clinical stage products, uh, particularly looking at to address those unmet needs in oncology and rare diseases and uh, it did deliver its last results, uh, lower perhaps than had been forecast by some of the brokers there, uh, and uh, also material increase in operating expenses at the same time. All right, Kai what's your thoughts then on telex
0: yeah we really like telex um especially from a sector view as well um healthcare hasn't really outperformed over the last year as some of the other sectors but for us we're still fairly defensive i think and you know in general healthcare is one of the sectors that we're quite interested in and of course telex you know um it's it's uh release commercialized their eluti6 drug so it's FDA, uh, fda approved in the us and australia um, and we've seen seen that in their results where you know it's had a 800% increase in their revenues from commercialization of that drug um, and you know i and it was the first year that they reported an, uh, a net uh, profit um so we can see that they've done fairly well in terms of commercialization there. Um, in terms of market, addressable market, you know, there's um, there's about $1.6 alone in the US. So there's there's a lot of room to grow for this company. And um, I think in terms of share price, it could go a lot higher. So it's a buy for us. All right.
1: Okay. Yeah, it's a difficult space, isn't it? Mm. Um, particularly in biotech, it tends to be a bit binary in terms of a, a hit or a miss. But as you say, that turn to profit, They've obviously got FDA approval. They've got a footprint in the state, so that's positive.
0: That's right. And, you know, they're applying for approvals in, in Europe and Asia as well. But really, the most important thing is just seeing how well they commercialise products. Because, you know, we see a lot of drugs that are good, but when they botch the commercialisation of it, it doesn't actually translate to the bottom line. And um, this seems to be not the case for Telex. Um, I mean, they've really grown the revenue line quite a bit. And they've also got some other drugs in the pipeline um, coming up as well. So... Okay, so i buy from you, David.
2: Yeah, it's a fascinating business. They've, uh, as Kai said, they reported very strongly, um, but the market was a little bit disappointed from the fact that the company have announced that they're significantly increasing their, their R&D spend. So looking to increase their R&D spending by about 40 to 50%, uh, and they're really doubling down on their therapeutics um, you know, business, which is obviously uh, the the important component of it. So, they are generating strong revenues, and as Chris said, now getting into profit. Uh, I guess the the key risk for the business going forward is continuing to be able to fund their their R and D and and the development of their their therapeutics. They've just announced another acquisition in the U.S. Uh, they're buying a company by the name of Isotherapeutics, so they're expanding their their production and distribution capacity in the US. So it's certainly an interesting and positive business. It's not one that we officially uh, research, so we haven't got a recommendation on it. Um, But based on their their recent results and based on their approvals that they've got, I'd be prepared to to look at um, buying the stock as a a speculative um, part of the portfolio.
1: All right. That, I think, then meets our uh, <laughs> definition of a double buy, then, for DLX Pharmaceuticals. David, just on that point, so you point out um, significant R&D spend that's up in there, looking for acquisitions as well as, at the same time. Yeah. How does its balance sheet look then when it's doing that significant spend?
2: Yeah, it actually looks quite good at the moment. So they've, their sales have been quite solid um they do have a a reasonable balance sheet uh so at this point in time it looks like they are uh you know effectively reinvesting their their profits into growing the business so at this point in time um you know it stacks up quite well from that point of view but just be aware that they are high capital type businesses so it may need to raise capital at some point in the future
1: okay that is a double buy then for telex pharmaceuticals Righto, let's get in a completely different space now into uh, lithium minus CO, no mining, in fact. Uh, Chris wanted to know about this. Uh, it is a lithium producer, it does have projects in Canada, also here in WA at the same time. Uh, second, uh, well in fact, a December quarter production um, offset by softer sales with those weaker realized prices, as of course we've seen right across the lithium sector. Although we have seen a bit of a turnaround. The lithium price, certainly out of China, has moved higher as a result. We've seen some of those lithium miners take off again. Uh, Operating costs in that quarter were 22% higher than was initially uh, estimated to by some of the brokers there. And it has an optimization review underway. I don't know whether that's positive or negative. Many people take that as a negative. David, what's your view then on Sayona?
2: Yeah, like most of the... The lithium miners—it's been a terrible six or twelve months for it. Uh, as as you said, the the lithium price has come down, and the sentiment has really come down as far as the outlook for for EV and for lithium around the world. Um, but Sayona does have very very good prospects. They've got uh, the the Moblin project in uh, in Canada, which the company estimates has a a net present value of about $2.2 billion Canadian. Uh, so based on that they're, they're relatively good value as far as their, their current market caps is concerned. As you can see by the share price, they're, they're very, very low at the moment. Uh, they've just had Piedmont who's one of their their joint venture partners and was a shareholder of the business. They've actually sold uh, 1.15 billion shares uh, to raise some money for, for the, themselves. So. Yeah, probably it's had as much go wrong with the with the company and with the the lithium price as could possibly happen. So based on current prices, you'd think that they're they reasonable value, um, and again speculative. But if you're prepared to to look at a, a business that does have some very good prospects in in Canada, they do have some operations in WA as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's probably one that you could look at a a speculative buy on as well. A specky buy.
1: So, David, where's this rank just in terms of the lithium miners more broadly? Are there any, like, given what we're seeing at the moment, a bit hard to say whether we have seen the bottom and whether this is a significant turnaround we're seeing in the lithium market, but um, what would your preferred plays be in that space at this point?
2: Yeah, well, we don't have an official recommendation on Sayona, so that's sort of my... my my specy buy, um, probably the preferred one would be Arcadium, uh, which was the old outcome that's uh, that's merged and become a global player. They have, have the size. Um, so we, we think that they're probably the preferred play. Um, but again, investing in lithium at the moment is taking a long-term view. Um, it's difficult to try and predict in the short term what the, the lithium price might be doing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Kai,
0: yeah, you know, um, just great, like same as David and, um, you know, we've seen a thir- about a 30% jump in the lithium spot prices over the last two weeks. So the question is, is the ball back? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it's it's a bit hard to say at the moment, um, you know, still relative to about a year and a half ago. It's um, the price is still quite substantially down um, in terms of cyanide, I think um you know, like it's a it's a good company with a lot of uh, good prospects in terms of their mine and operation. You know, they've they've got refining processes as well, so it's um yeah it, they, they've got a bit going on. Um, but the issue with Cyanogen is that its production cost is just really high. You know, so in terms of operating costs, it's about at a thousand four hundred per uh, DMT. Um, you know, compared to other lo- you know the bigger players like PLS Pilbara. Um, which stands at about 700, you know, it's it's quite substantially higher than the other quality lithium producers. So I guess in a bull market where rising tides floats or, or boats, um, you know, so Iona could do well. And, you know, if we see a sustained run in the lithium prices, so Iona could actually, the prices could bounce, but we prefer to stay in the, you know, the solid big producers in lithium. And um, like David was saying, Arcadium. Um, after after that merger, I think it's fallen off the radar for a lot of people because, you know, after that initial rally on Thursday, Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday last week, mm-hmm. it was lagging a little bit and the next day it jumped about 10%. So I think I think it's fallen off some people's radar and that's a really good opportunity that um, it's got solid assets. So um, that's one we're backing. Um as well as Liontown, if you're going, you know, a bit smaller and more specky, um, Liontown's pretty undervalued at the moment. So yeah, good option. So what's your call on Siona? Uh, so you know, I would, uh, I'm, I would, I would suggest I'm not a fan of Siona. I'd suggest one of the bigger players, on yeah. Arcadium or Liontown. Okay. Would you be expecting? and We're already seeing M and A in that in that space. Yes. Are you
1: expecting that to continue?
0: Um, potentially, you know, for Liontown, um, Gina's already bought some yeah. at $2.80. So, you know, it's a bit of a wait and see. Potentially, she makes an offer. Well, particularly where yeah. a lot of the, those stock valuations are now. Mm. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's very cheap. Um, yeah. It's I think Liontown's today trading at thirty something. Mm. So you know, if she's willing to make an offer at $2.80, it's definitely cheaper now. <laughs> Is she listing? I'm
1: yeah. sure she knows. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Uh, so that's the view on Sayona and more broadly, I guess, what we're seeing in the lithium market at the moment. Let's now move to data three. Colin wanting to know about this saying, why have the brokers reacted negatively to its result? He reckons it was a, it's a pretty good one. And um, December half did essentially miss consensus there, I guess, from the brokers by about 6%. Um, but we did see year-on-year revenue, gross profit, EPS rose. Uh, revenue was up about thirteen percent, profit nine percent. There. Okay, Kai. What? Uh, well, Colin said why the negative reaction. Then, what? What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, you know, it's a it's a bit of a head scratcher because it did miss uh, census by a little bit, um, but it was still overall solid reporting. You know, like the uh, you know net profits were up about twenty-five percent over the year, a uh, year sorry year-on-year. Um, and you know like with the overall trend of the market with AI, them, thematics as well as workplaces adopting more digitalisation um, apparently 93% of organisations are focusing on digital first strategy so we, you know whether it's going to cloud whether it's going uh, you know uh, increasing their cyber which is the issue these days um, Data3 does all that um, and you know we can see they've had a long history as well you know they've been operating for about 45 years so you know a, a long-term player in this game um and i think with a lot of the ai the, the companies transitioning to ai you know they they help companies adopt uh, microsoft co-pilot uh readiness so basically if you want to integrate that they will help you do that um, so for us we we really liked a3 um, i think in terms of why the share prices um you know the, the market sold off on that was. They had a softer guidance for the second half, um, especially in around May and June. They expect um, revenues to be a little bit softer. Um, but then again, you know, the positive side is that they've got a strong revenue line where about 67% of their their income is actually recurring. So, you know, it's a solid base. Um, so we have a buy on that.
2: Yeah. Okay. David? Yeah, it, it's one of those ones where the... Uh Uh, The result itself um, didn't matter as much as the earnings expectations are concerned. So, uh, yeah, as Kai said, it was a a great result, but the market uh, disappointed by the the weaker margins and and by some of the the guidance statements. Um, Yeah, I tend to think it's it's probably a a good opportunity. Um, When you look at what's happened in the US and the the likes of NVIDIA and and the Magnificent 7 and the 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 amount of uh investor interest in ai I'm quite surprised that data 3 hasn't necessarily um followed that same sort of trend because when you look at their result uh they are as kai said starting to implement copilot for a lot of their customers they have seen an increased interest in generative ai for you know, for their customers and and their customers are large australian businesses so they've got a very strong solid customer base and if there is a company in Australia that will be participating in the, the take-up of AI in the future, Data3 is actually going to be one of those. So I think it's it's probably a good opportunity. Again, it's not a stock that we have an official recommendation on, but given the, the share price weakness that we've seen following the result, uh, I think that they're, they're a good business and and probably one worthwhile looking at buying. All
1: right, is that another double buy then? It is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Okay, well, that is definitely one to be considered by the Investment Committee. Okay, let's move on now to WebJet. Um, in fact, uh, we've done Flight Centre a couple of times recently. I think it was our stock of the day, maybe on Thursday off the back of its results. So I guess it's a chance to look well more, more broadly at that uh, that travel sector. Um, but let's uh, focus first on WebJet there. Uh, first off, results uh, beat Largely beat expectations. Um, I think a lot of this the uh, the brokers in particular are encouraged by it's Webbeds, uh, which is it's b 2 B2B division on the online travel business, uh, which has been doing well. So David, give us your thoughts then on Webjet.
2: Yeah, I agree that Webbeds is is a good part of the business as well as the uh, the Webjet. Website where you can, um, you know, buy all the different flights that we tend to be fairly familiar with. But that's one of the things that Webjet did do during the pandemic was they spent a lot of money and time on their their underlying uh, infrastructure and, and technology, and yeah, did expand around the, the globe uh, with webbeds and and other facilities that they've got so as well as the consumer facing technology that we all know they also do a lot of the back-end technology for other businesses as well so yeah we we like webjet we've got a buy recommendation on it uh our analyst has has liked it all the way up and tends to think that it is a a very solid well-managed business that will continue to to grow its its revenue not cheap currently at at 19.9 times but the uh, expectations are that they'll continue to grow that, that earnings. So, uh, yeah, we think over, over time they'll, um, yeah, they'll, they'll justify the current share price.
1: So is that your preferred pick in that space when you stack it up against Flight Centre and perhaps to degree corporate travel?
2: Uh, yeah, we're not a, not a fan of corporate travel at the moment, but we do have a buy on Flight Centre as well uh, and actually had management in on Friday uh and you know i guess relevant for both flight center and uh webjet one of the things that they were talking about is the fact that we are now seeing a a segment of the community that don't see travel as as discretionary and will effectively uh decide okay we're, we're blocking our plans for travel first and then maybe make adjustments on some of the other spending that that they're seeing so um yeah very strong trends as far as leisure travel is concerned not so much as far as business travel so um that's probably the the reason that we like both webjet and flight hmm. center
1: okay all right kyle let's see if we've got another double buy then
0: yeah, so we, we, we like WebJet as well, um, given all the revenge traveling that's been happening after yep. the COVID pandemic. Um, you know, in terms of transaction value, they've um, increased at about 35% over the last year. So, you know, really solid numbers coming out of WebJet. Um, I, you know, agree with David. I think it's, a, it's probably a whole recommendation if you already got it. Um, it's, it's quite well run. Um, And in terms of their Webbeds um, B2B uh, business, that's been running really well. Um, But a little bit of difference for us is like, I I think corporate travel is actually quite undervalued at the moment. Given that the recent reporting, the reason why it's dropped about 15, 20% is because you know, they had some contracts in the, the UK that they've been struggling with. Um, but I think it's a bit of an overreaction given how much the price has fallen. So it's, it's pretty cheap. Um, whereas Webjet, I think it's about fairly priced. So you'd be buying corporate travel at That's this right. point? That's
1: right, yeah. Whereas you're holding Correct. Webjet? Correct,
0: yep. Okay. And what, what are you doing with Flight Centre? Flycenter, yeah, Flycenter is great as well. Like, you know, very similar to Webjet. Yeah. Um, it's reported very strong. Um, so, you know, we're just seeing overall spending in the travel sector increasing after that COVID uh, pandemic. And, you know, there's a lot of built up um, uh, business to be done um, and we're just seeing it across all the, all the different um, fly, uh, travel, travel companies. Okay,
1: all right. Finally, let's take a look at HAZER. Uh, and Mark wanting to know, does uh, has embarked on some recent uh, recent capital raise and wants to know whether he should wait to get into the stock. It is in, what's well, a clean technology development company uh, focused on commercializing its, what is called its HAZER process, which is uh, low carbon emission,
0: hydrogen, and graphite production technology. Okay, Kai, what are your thoughts? yeah you know it's uh it's one of these specy stocks where it's got a lot of um it got a lot of theme around it but um i think it's a little bit early stage at the moment uh if you're willing to take that risk and go well i want to be one of the first movers to get into the stock um is maybe not a bad choice because it's achieved um, first productions in january this year and um, it's producing about 100 tons per annum of h2 h2 and um, 380 tons of graphite in their purse facility but you know with the company it's it requires a lot of capital raising so you know it has to constantly uh, raise cap, uh, raise capital so it did a cap raise about 13 million um, not too long ago um, yeah I mean twiggy likes hydrogen as well <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you know there, there, there's a bit of um, bit of thematics around it but I think for us it's still a little bit too specky it's producing no revenues um, it's not something that we really want to get involved with at the moment.
1: All right. I'll call that a no then. Too early from your point of view. David, do you agree?
2: Yeah, I do. I, I think that it's It's a very interesting business uh, and they do have some good collaborations in place with uh, global businesses like Engie from France and uh, Mitsui and Chuba from, uh, from Japan. So they, they do have an interesting business that's that's happening, but as Kai said, they've raised money recently. They've got about ten million dollars in the bank. They lost twelve million dollars last year. Uh, so based on those very quick numbers, they're going to have to keep raising capital uh, to you know to keep it alive. So yeah, it's a business that's certainly at that that speculative end, uh, not one that, that we'd be uh, yeah happy to be going for either.
1: All right, so so just to specy at this point, but but what you have you taken a look at the underlying technology? You see the merit in it, but it
2: as you say, just, yeah, well, there, too there's early. certainly yeah, there's a lot of talk around hydrogen. Yep. Um, I can't profess to be an expert one way or the other. Um, I must admit, though, some of the experts that I have heard um, are quite sceptical about the potential of hydrogen and think that. The amount of energy that you require to produce hydrogen, uh, or to produce energy from hydrogen, um, just doesn't make the the mathematics work. Um, but as I say, I'm no expert, uh, but it's probably one that yeah I I wouldn't be putting my money towards at the moment.
1: Okay, all right. So let's sum up then the second half of the show, and uh, look, we had a couple of buys. We began there with uh, with Tilix Pharmaceuticals and it is a double buy uh from both there and um certainly kai pointing out it's uh into into profit uh good growth potential in the us market uh, david pointing out though it is up, upping its r d spend uh so that's something to be wary of So mining in the lithium space well we have seen a bit of a turnaround the question is have we seen the bottom is it passes in the lithium market david's got a specky buy on it um, however, Kai isn't convinced. Uh, no, not interested. He would prefer some of the bigger miners there, in particular, Arcadium. Um, David also has a preference for Arcadium in that space, in fact. Data 3, uh, another double buy and uh, Kai is saying it is a solid player. Uh, it's uh, talking about transition to AI. That's going to get anyone excited in the investment space. Uh, David underlying just by saying it is a good opportunity. Webjet there in, uh, in travel. It is a buy from David, although he does point out it is not cheap at this point. Not really interested in that space in corporate travel. Has a similar view as Webjet as he does with Flight Centre. Kai, he's got a hold on it. Um, So pointing out it hasn't increased its transaction value there, but um, preference there, corporate travel. Uh, So difference of opinion there in those travel stocks. And finally there, Hazer, both making the point, uh, look, fascinating technology, obviously with uh, some benefits there with hydrogen, although way too early. So no, not interested in Hazer. All right. That is our show. Thank you to our guests, Kai. Thanks for joining us on MPC Markets. Thank you, Andrew. And David, good to catch up with you again. Thanks for joining us awards. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. All right. Now, of course, any stocks you'd like us to cover, you can go to ausbiz.co forward slash callpicks or write to us on X at osbiztv. TV. Thanks for watching. only from rustolium